Martyrs and Missionaries is a production of Revive Studios. You're listening to Martyrs and Missionaries. I'm Elise, and every episode I'll bring you a new martyr and or missionary, the called and the brave. In this episode, we're talking about Scottish missionary and martyr Jane Haining. I'm recording this episode today from the 11th story of a Cambodian quarantine hotel, which is actually very nice as far as hotels go where you can't leave or go outside. But we're on day three or four. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, But there's actually a lot of background noise, which I didn't think would be a problem. But when you require absolute silence, all the little noises uh, begin to make themselves very apparent. So if there's some background noise, I apologize, I'll try to cut it out, but if not, then think of it as ambiance, I guess. Jane Haining was born on a farm in Scotland, and her mother died giving birth to her younger sibling when she was five years old. She graduated from school as a school leader, and also left with academic honors in English, French, German, Latin, and mathematics. So she was someone who loved school and loved academia. When she graduated college, she worked as a clerk and then a secretary to a private secretary. She also taught Sunday school and loved buying the kids little cream buns. I like including these little details and things because they don't really seem that important. Like, if you were to tell somebody your life story, you wouldn't necessarily include that detail. But when you're looking at somebody who doesn't have a lot of, like, details about their life per se... Every little thing that you can find really helps because it shows you like their compassionate side or it shows you a quirky side. Those kinds of things really add to a story and help complete someone's picture more so than just a bunch of like rote memorization and facts about where they were born. So I like this little part that even early on, she loved teaching and she loved buying the kids something that they enjoyed. And in 1927, she attended a meeting in Glasgow for a Jewish mission committee. And while she was there, she turned to a friend and she told her, I have found my life work. And that actually happens a lot in this podcast where they'll go somewhere, especially like one of these meetings or something like that. And then they'll just be like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my calling. It's just that click, like where you know this is what God wants you to do. And that happened for Jane Haining here in 1927. So when she discovered that, she began to work towards that end, and she gained her certificate in domestic science and housekeeping. In 1932, she answered an ad in the Church of Scotland magazine, Life and Work. A mission house there was looking for a matron for their girls' hostel, which was attached to its main Jewish mission there in Budapest. And the mission school ran a school for both Jewish and Christian girls, and it actually got started in a really kind of interesting way, honestly. The founding ministers of the school, which were Alexander Black and Alexander Keith, along with Andrew Bonar and Robert Murray McShane, had been making their way to Jerusalem to spread Christianity when Black injured himself falling from a camel. And then he and Keith decided to return to Scotland, and they did so via Budapest, where they had to stay a little bit longer because uh, Keith became ill. But then while they were there, one of the things they established was this Scottish mission in the city. 
The Mission House is actually located on Smarty Square. I also want to include this fact because I want to share with you guys that I have the worst luck of all time. Because I've actually been to this square in Budapest where the Mission House was. And I remember explicitly, like, going there and looking around and, you know, being in awe of just, you know, the beauty of Budapest. Budapest is a beautiful city. But as I was reading about where it was in the city, I was like, that sounds really familiar. So I looked it up, and sure enough, it was right where I thought it was, and I can actually picture the area where it is. But when we went there, I had no idea, obviously, about martyrs and missionaries or this episode. It was back a few years ago. So I I really missed out on an opportunity, because this isn't the first time that's happened to me. It just seems to be my luck that I will later on discover something interesting about a place that I have been and remember. Jane arrived in 1932, about seven months before Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany. There were about 400 pupils ranging from about ages 6 to 16, and Heining was responsible for these girls. One of the things Jane did was have a daily Bible lesson for all the pupils that included the study of the New Testament. Jane also made efforts to have part of the building converted to club rooms, so that the evangelical work could continue for girls who had left the school, as most did when they were about 14 or 15. On September 3rd of 1939, World War II broke out while Haining was on holiday in Cornwall, and she immediately packed her bags and went back to Budapest. She wrote to someone, The journey back was a nightmare. Five changes, no porters, no hot food, crowded trains like bank holiday, plus luggage, no sanitary conveniences fit to mention, two nights spent on the platform beside or on our luggage. The Church of Scotland ordered all their missionaries to return after war broke out, but Jane chose to stay, reasoning that the girls needed her now more than ever. A bit into the war, she wrote to a friend, I'm glad to say we were shaking down into something like order, although it was a month after I came back before I was able to have one complete afternoon off duty. The children are gradually getting into harness, and I'm having time to miss the letters which do not come. Of the war, it's better not to speak, and indeed there is nothing to say in a letter. Hungary is neutral and anxious to remain so, so we, who are enjoying her hospitality, are refraining from talking politics. Then on the 19th of March, 1944, when the Germans and the SS took over Hungary, they immediately began arranging for the country's Jews to be deported to Auschwitz. Lieutenant Colonel Adolf Eichmann arrived in Budapest to take charge of the deportations. On March 31st, a range of anti-Jewish restrictions were introduced. Jews were forbidden from owning cars and radios, using telephones, moving home, wearing their school uniform, swimming pools, public restaurants, cafes, bars, or catering services. They had to declare any property except a small amount of household items. Jewish lawyers, civil servants, and journalists were sacked. Non-Jews were not allowed to work in Jewish households. Books by Jews could not be published, and those in existence could not be borrowed from libraries. And Jews over the age of six were required to wear a 10 by 10 centimeter yellow badge in the shape of the Star of David on the left chest of their outer clothing. And following the decree, Jews would be arrested for very petty issues, such as wearing the star of the wrong size. In mid-April 1944, the SS began herding Jews into holding areas, including ghettos and brick factories, where they held them for weeks with little to eat. 
After the invasion of Hungary, the Church of Scotland once again told the remaining missionaries to get off the field, but Jane refused to leave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Then in April or maybe early May of 1944, officers from the Gestapo came to arrest her as a British spy. These are the things they charged her with. That she had worked among the Jews. That she had wept when putting yellow stars on the girls. That she had dismissed her housekeeper, who was an Aryan. That she had listened to the news broadcast of the BBC. That she had many British visitors. That she was active in politics. That she visited British prisoners of war and that she sent them parcels. One of Jane's friends wrote a letter telling a pastor what had happened. I remember very clearly the day she brought this list of charges from the prison where she had been questioned. She read them out laughingly to me, saying she felt so stupid, repeating, yes, it is true, after each accusation, except the sixth, that she had been involved in politics. She said she had been too busy to occupy herself with politics. Yes, she had wept, and again began to weep. After 17 days in prison, she was taken away but left in very good health and spirits. We all felt sure she was going to a pleasant outdoor camp. Little did I realize I would never see her again. She endeared herself to all her fellow prisoners and everyone wept when she left. Hungarian officials worked hard to secure her release, but because she was picked up by the Gestapo and not the local police, it was impossible, and they refused to give out any information as to her possible whereabouts. In April of 1944, the Germans began sending Jews en masse to Auschwitz-Birkenau and occupied Poland. For the next three months, they sent them on closed train cars at a rate of 12,000 per day. Over 400,000 Hungarian Jews were deported, which was essentially half of the country's population, which had increased dramatically due to Jews fleeing to Hungary from other occupied parts of Europe. Gertrude Levi, who was sent to Auschwitz in 1944, said this about the train car journey. The normal load for the trucks was 60 to 90 people. We were 120. We had two buckets for our human needs. We had to overcome our inhibitions to use them. Men, women, strangers, children. With every jolt of the train, the muck ran out. So we were sitting in it and we couldn't do anything about it. This was June 1944, a very hot summer, and there was very little air in the truck. The two openings had barbed wire over them and the air became really unbearable. We were getting thirstier and thirstier. You were hungry. You had a piece of bread in your hand, but couldn't eat it because you couldn't swallow any more. It meant people went into hysterics. People went mad. People had heart attacks, and people died. And we had the dead, the mad, the hysterical, and the screaming among us, and we could not do a thing about it. My husband and I recently visited an Auschwitz memorial exhibit in Kansas City. And it was extremely hard to read and listen at times, as, as you can imagine. 
And I remember one lady mentioning the train cars and the palpable smell of human fear mingled in with all the other scents. She said that, above all the others, was a smell she would never forget. About 90% of the Jews who survived the journey to Auschwitz were sent to the gas chambers upon arrival. When Jane arrived, she was tattooed with the numbers 79467 and chosen for labor. We don't really know what Jane did specifically in the camp or even actually how she died. The mission house received a death certificate that arrived August 17, 1944, stating that she had died in the hospital of malnutrition caused by sinus issues. But it does seem rather unlikely that this is how she died, as two days before she supposedly died, she wrote a letter to someone in the mission house which said this, My dearest Margaret, I do not yet have an answer to my first letter, but I know there is nothing you can do about that. I'll repeat it briefly in case by any chance you haven't received it. You're allowed to write to me twice a month, and I'm allowed to write once a month, but only to you. Packages are not restricted by number or name. I asked you to register me with our Red Cross, but I should like it if you could possibly send me apples or other fresh fruit and biscuits, rusks and the other kinds of bread, as of course the Red Cross doesn't send things like that. Your loving Jean. We don't know exactly how she died, but it's safe to assume that she didn't die in the hospital of sinusitis-induced malnutrition. 1.1 million people out of 1.3 million died in Auschwitz, and 865,000 people were gassed upon arrival. Jane used her position at the mission house to help the girls immigrate to Britain where they would hopefully be safe. She saw this as the only chance to save the girls under her care, especially as the war intensified. She taught them how to become a domestic help and sent them to live with families far, far away from the coming nightmare. A bishop of the Mission House wrote a letter for the Church of Scotland's Life and Work magazine, the same magazine where Jane had found her position as a matron all those years before. The Hungarian Reformed Church surrounded with sympathy and high esteem this frail and heroic-spirited lady. Her superiors had three times insisted on her to go home, but she had always declined. Twofold are our griefs. Being ourselves captives, we were not able to save her, and being trodden down, we had no power to stand up for her more effectively. In 1997, Jane Heining was awarded the honor of Righteous Among the Nations by Israel. This award is given to non-Jews who risked their lives to save Jews during the Holocaust. Jane is one of two Scots to have received the honor. We often ask ourselves how something like the Holocaust could have happened, how people were able to do such horrible things to other people made in the image of God. And I think it's because it doesn't happen overnight. We imagine that Hitler became chancellor and boom, you have mass persecution and genocide. But in fact, it was the very slow process of dehumanization that made it possible. We also need to take into account that we are capable of great evil and justifying great evil and calling it righteousness. Never underestimate the ability of a person to commit unbelievable atrocities and call it good. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, hit the five stars, and then hit the share button and spread the word. As always, thanks for listening to Mars and Missionaries. I'm Elise.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.